This is Complainers Club. Obviously, we complain, but we aim to redefine what it means to complain. We want to create a safe space that cultivates sustainable complaining culture. If this sounds like your kind of vibe, then join us in the club, bitch. I love that. Um, so we have my work wife, my wife, <laughs> the love of my life, Hannah Hamilton, who is a writer and a goddamn academic and also will win an, any board game you play with her. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Nice. What is your fave board game? Poker. Yeah. Like, I'm exceptionally good at poker. Okay. Like, to the point where whenever I play, like, everyone's mad at me because, like, I have not lost Ever. Ever. She will hustle you and then at the last minute be like, by the way, here's my cards we had like a poker tournament at open window so like the whole film school you had to pay money and then there was like lots of alcohol okay. and everyone got really drunk yeah and i just like didn't drink and i just played she was in an a game played. she was like i'm gonna win this money and i fucking won the tournament i love i stand a bitch who's like i'm gonna win and then they win yeah so, so she literally did and everyone was mad at her yeah. about it like Good. all the all the lectures were like excuse me fuck those guys actually you just because they, they set it up so that they would like win the money like i think they were like we're gonna buy all this alcohol <laughs> for all the students to get just... sloshed and we're gonna stay super sober and win this all the lectures got more drunk than the students did you yeah roll doll matilda the fuck out of that whole <laughs> yeah. situation no a hundred percent it was like well, i think maybe my proudest moment of like academia because it was like in in the institution. Like, for my next mental breakdown, I'm going to put that as my story. <laughs> like, because it's so brilliant. Like, yeah, I won this tournament and they... Yeah, because not only, not only were you like, I'm really good at poker, but you also kind of like stood on lecturers' dicks because you were like, what, bitch? I won. Yeah. <laughs> and I have that money. So, respect me. How much money did you win? I only won two grand. But like, it's yeah. quite a bit of money for yes. like a school tournament when you're like a student say. yeah so i was fucking happy yeah you have probably felt so rich students Dude, feel rich with like your, 500 grand and like i lived in a commune at that stage so i okay during like oh yeah it was with us yeah and, and then ian played, made us so late and you got so mad. i was so fucking annoyed like the, ian took almost three hours to get ready and i'm like because he, he decided i'm gonna do drag but he's he started very late <laughs> like the thing was that is okay, it raining <gasps> we it's brought raining. the rain. Oh God, it was yes. Lady Hamilton. Yes. Anna Hamilton brought the rain. You're welcome. I wish. I wish. No, you did. Because <laughs> you started talking about gambling and the whole planet was like, I'm wet with the story. <laughs> the this story is, is what I need. Wet this. The story is great. Start a YouTube channel. <laughs> it's what the earth is saying that right now. That was the biggest compliment to get in the like, t- like 2010 up until 2.15, like, oh my god, you're so funny, you should have a YouTube channel, and I would, like, eat that shit up, but every time I tried to start a YouTube channel, I was like, no, I'm glad none of them exist, yeah, because sound was bad, let's I would, real. mine would have been awful, like, me and my friend, like, my best friend from primary school, we used to, like, make music videos, like, Blink-182, <gasps> oh. and, like, record them on, like, our camcord, but we also, like, convinced our fathers to buy us, like, electric guitars, <laughs> because we said we wanted to learn, <laughs> just so we could have them, like, in the music video. Oh, that's so much dedication. So, which is your favorite Blink-182 song? Your... Making oh, friends. The... Small things. things. Yeah, what's my age again though? Like, oh, still, yeah. like, to me. Video and song. But now imagine if I had archived that for people to go back and see, like, 13 year old me that was like coming into my sexuality 
and had like a guitar and had a really bad haircut. Yeah, you know what? I Why did you think... have a bad haircut? Because like I thirteen. <laughs> no, because I also like um got my friends to bung school once, and I was like, you know what we should do? We should like cut me a fringe. No. And it looked so awful. And like I went to like extra Afrikaans, and my extra Afrikaans teacher who had the worst haircut, like you know those like manager haircuts. Yeah. She told yes. me she loved it, and up until that point, it was confident. Like I was doing the hairstyles, like whatever. Oh, and then she told me she liked it, and then I realized how horrible it was. So you had a layered... so twice in my life I've had the hair like the fringe but like that one was skew then yeah, i got it again and it was just like i got it and i was my mother was like don't get it for our younger listeners when we were in high school you had to have a fringe that was so so carefully, big carefully kind of in layers like it was like yeah a, it wasn't like the fringe that we know and love today it, it's not this it's like it's like a side it started very short yes. you had it you were off kilter you're on the bias show <laughs> you're like a normal hairline every time i would get my hair cut like i specifically had to go to the hairdresser and be like okay i want a fringe and they're like cool do you want it like started like a little bit off yeah, the center no. and i was like no where my temple is a little bit up <laughs> yes yes that is where I wanted to start. It Everything has to be short here and then and layered so down. So that you could do that that look where you covered your eye, One eye. in the photo. And then you could be like all sm- smoldering and like cute. I like to call it, a lot of people called it the cry shield. And that yeah. is exactly what it was. <laughs> Why did no emo person say that? All the emo kids in my school said it. And I was late to have the fringe. But when I got the fringe, it was slowly coming out. And also I used to play soccer. Try and clip that motherfucker bitch. Oh, it's so many layers. While you're running. I looked like a little cretin. It was (laughs) disgusting. But I loved that fringe. I loved that fringe so much that I learned to cut it myself. Because my parents... Of course you... Would not let me go. And my parents, bless them, they wanted to keep me a child for as long as possible. But I refused. I relented. I was like, I am a woman and I want a fringe. And I used to cut people's fringes in the bathroom of my school... For 20 bucks. I love that. Entrepreneur. What a fucking I don't have any of that money today. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I was jobless. You guys know. You've been in the journey. (laughs) But I think when you were young, you came up with like really good ways of like making a little extra cash. (laughs) And now when you think back on it, you're like, that was so illegal. That was bullshit. That was yours. I used to, um, I used to like steal passports and from like clubs and stuff. And then I would like make fake IDs from them and then like sell them to the boys that I knew because they couldn't get their own fake IDs. Okay, you are Kim Kardashian. (laughs) They were were dumb. Like they didn't work out how to do it themselves. So we used to do that. I was too scared to ever get a fake ID. I was, I literally waited to get my real ID. And my real... God, I could have hooked you up for 200. I know. I know. <laughs> I, but I was too scared. I was like, I'm going to get caught and I'm going to go to jail and I don't want to live my life in jail. I was a very, very afraid child and I became an afraid I... teen and I'm an afraid adult. <laughs> I'm way... I was like way too overconfident as a child. So I got a report like um, I showed Liv yesterday. It was like a grade nine report. I had to go do a report because um, I was like... With dyslexia, I had to get a dispensation from the government. Oh, so okay. yes, wait, let me just inter- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sorry, got to completely off topic. Thank you to Hannah for reminding yes. us why we're here. W- w- our job. Thank you. As Thanks, usual, Hannah. Hannah, just saving my ass. 
Okay, so basically why just but we do love Hannah already and she's already interesting as you can hear from stealing passports, making fake I mean, ID you've stories. You've got the little blurb, you've got the little You're already like who's this woman? Track. I love her, must have her in my she life. Must you have can't. Her on YouTube channel. <laughs> she's mine. You can't have her. <laughs> I have her now. She's my bitch right now. But basically so Hannah is dyslexic and I've always wanted to interview her and like in there talk about it because I think mm. there's a multitude of misconceptions. And like, I don't know, like, I just think more people need to learn about this because yeah. obviously Hannah's a brilliant mind. And I think the misconceptions are usually like, you're lazy, you're stupid, you can't read. That's the stock standard of anything. <laughs> when someone doesn't know anything about something, they're like, you're dumb, you're lazy, you're never going to make it in this town. You should just yeah. lock up and go. Because like, that's I think exactly the time That's just sadly from. it. And like, you have this like small idea of what dyslexia is. And then, me too. I mean, from all the years I knew Hannah, I was like, yeah, cool, she's dyslexic. I get it. Cool. But yeah. then one day and then starting this podcast, I was like, shit, wait, I should interview Hannah because she's... It was literally, I'm going to tell you now, insider secrets from our very big production team. <laughs> Don't tell legal. <laughs> Which is me and Olivia. <laughs> legal is us. Um, that was one of the first things we discussed. She was like, I wanted to interview my friend Hannah because she has dyslexia. And I was like, you know, of all the things that I've never asked anyone about. It's just, and I'm always very interested in it because what we know, and exactly to Olivia's point, what we know and what we're educated about, the only thing I have a memory of it is having one dyslexic kid in my class and he left school and I was like, oh, he died. You know, like as like a kid. And <laughs> yeah. teachers were also at that time not very educated about it. So if you had ADHD, you had dyslexia, I don't know, you your parents yeah. were getting divorced. Mm. You Good became luck. a target. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, no, put that color down and get out of my class. Yeah, so basically I wanted Shout to no. invite Hannah, like in the third person that she's not here. <laughs> Lady <laughs> Guys, I'm calling Hannah Lady Hamilton because I think she like, deserves her own Downton character. Lady but Hamilton. But then yeah. I don't know if you'd be upstairs or downstairs. I feel like you'd be like somewhere in the, in the middle. Like she'd be upstairs, everywhere. She'd be an um, upstairs lady that's down with the downstairs Hannah, people. I think I would be like one of the people who lived in the village. So, oh, yeah. so like working class in the village, like you know, I maybe like one of the the, the suffragettes, the ladies yeah. petitioning for the. So vote. you would see me in like the background of shots, but I don't Lady think I would Hamilton. get like a featured role. No, 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 no. My, I would get a feature. I feel like Hamilton's Hamilton's also Tom. Like, Tom would have had a fair with you. <laughs> like I just lost my wife. You know how to drive a car. Yeah, I think that that's literally that's the, arc. the role that I would play. Yeah, Lady Hamilton, it's happening. But my surname is like my mom's. My mom's maiden name is Foster. Like, okay. So we, my mom was like very clever. She, she was like, definitely not going to take that one through. <laughs> <laughs> definitely upgrading. And because Getting rid of this no bitch. one, no one in my family speaks Afrikaans. So if okay. I'd been like Hannah Forster, you know how difficult life would have been, been for me to like try and do anything. Everyone would have assumed I was Afrikaans mm, and it would be yeah. way more complicated. Hannah Hamilton, everyone's like, oh, she's English. Like package her away. Let's be like that. <laughs> Package her away. She even said it in the most English. Package her away. That's just my Cape Tonian I pictured you with like a large brim hat, you know, on the bias, a yet again, no French. She's like, package Your away. Your hair like, in a like French plait in the back, like taken in. Very my like, lady, color. very Audrey Hepburn, very lady. Very. No, like definitely not working. <laughs> definitely the working class people that are in the background of downtown Abbey. That's like the take the center stage, Hannah. Come on, I would have killed. I would have been Lady Grantham a hundred percent, and I would have the the granny. Not what's the granny saying? But I would have been the granny because I'm always so salty. I'm like fuck this. What's a weekend? I mean, the only fun thing would have been to like arrange people's marriages. 
That's like, neat. that would have been the fun part of. And, like, decorating the house or whatever. And, like, arrange. But they couldn't do actually, much. Actually, wait. <laughs> they just have to call. Actually, kind of, wait. You know, it's perfect for you. And we could, like, completely fulfill your fantasies of, like, snooping around and, like, knowing shit. You'd be the maid. Because then you'd know every <gasps> dirty would. secret. Yeah. And you'd be the... And you'd, but I'm also wouldn't... not very hardworking, so I would get fired very quickly. Like no, but fact, you would seduce. <laughs> I don't know. You'd make it work. You would be like, I'm a living maid. This is a sick ass mansion. I get some good butter now and again that they don't want. And also secrets. Secrets. That's why her hair is so big. Yeah, like I mean, secrets snooping is definitely what I would like. So are you a snooper or are you just like to I get information? I think we've reappropriated the word nosy. Yeah, well, I'm nosy, a, but like in the yeah. good way. Yeah, like, if Hannah Hannah was thinking of starting a podcast. I was like, you call it nosy because then here's I've told you before we're yeah, literally yes, we're literally people just random like people we've never fucking met. The first time they meet Hannah, they have like a sip of something. Like they don't even be that drunk. Truth juice. They don't even even be that drunk. Like she's never had a guy who's like belligerently like hanging over you, being like like half passing out. They'll just be like. You just ask questions that no one else in their life has ever yeah. asked. Because you're like, let's cut the bullshit. I want to know you because I don't really know you. Mm. And then they'll be like, my wife left me. And yeah, blah, blah, like blah. the one guy, me and Liv went out and he was like a roommate, like a friend of a roommate's boyfriend. So it was like, there was like Super. no real connection. Yeah. And then... A friend of a roommate's boyfriend. No, like, literally. You know, the name of this episode to have the name. <laughs> like, and then we ended up speaking to him and like, just like briefly introduced ourselves and I don't know what we said, but we must have said something that was like. Quite I said personal. nothing. You definitely asked. All <laughs> he the came back three times to tell us about like his divorce. Yeah, three his, different like, times. His weed habit, like where he wants to go in the world, like it was overwhelming. Yeah, the first for time someone we the, fir- the first time he came and he was like, "Yeah, I just think I smoke way too much weed because like we got raided and blah blah blah." And we were like, "Oh wow!" And then he was like, "Yeah, anyway, but and like we just leave like that." Yeah. And we were like, "Oh okay." He would come back. Yeah, guys, so, like, I got divorced. Like, I moved to America, but then, like, for this girl. And then we got divorced. And we were like, oh, no, why did we, you get divorced? Oh, because I smoked too much weed. And we were like, interesting. And then he was like, yeah, anyway, she's a bitch. Bye. And we were like, cool. And, okay. then, he, and then he came back and he was like, yeah, you know why she's a bitch? It's because we made on a stance that she was, like, on a weed magazine cover. So, like, I thought she would be down for weed. But apparently I smoked too much weed. He smoked, like, seven joints a day. He was spending something like four grand a week week on dollars like four, four like four hundred dollars a week because he wouldn't just smoke like some dank weed he would he'd be like, like oh pineapple cashew this is like some blend. Kurt Cobain shit so right. basically this is like every guy the you G. end up dating at one point in your life he's I, either hasn't mm. hit that point where he's like smoking all that weed or he has and mm. you're like oh he's he's so alternative he's you so know different. it's very cool like I think when you, you're a certain age like mine was I think I was 19 and I met the first boy who could roll a joint, but like so perfectly. I was like, I'm going to date him. And I did. Honey, like that was like one of my <laughs> main criteria for dating men is that they could roll a good joint. And then I was like, no, I'm an independent woman. I can roll a fucking good ass joint myself. Yeah. So then I got to break up with all like the guys who could roll really good joints. And now I roll them myself. And now I have. You've heard it from Lady Hamilton. Steal the skills from men that you are most attracted to. And become the man of your dreams. Exactly. 100%. So yeah, anyway, as you were saying about <laughs> dyslexia. Yes. Back to dyslexia. 
<laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Because one of the people on this podcast has ADHD and it's not Olivia. And that's how we end up in these conversations. I'm like, because I'm listening. No, so, but, yeah, I don't, like, so we, I was trying to say earlier on, and I think we, like, got super sidetracked and got back into the conversation. Oh, the report card. Yeah, so, in grade nine, you do the standardized test. Yeah, yes. we all do. And I had already test. been diagnosed with dyslexia since I was, like, in pre-primary, I was struggling to learn how to read. Okay. And write, and my, like, dyslexia is her- hereditary, so my dad mm. has it, my sister has it, and my mom's sister has it. So, like, the chances are were... You couldn't get out of it. Yeah, I was going to have it. So I had already started going to like uh, occupational therapy. And, and luckily your parents could also kind of like, they knew what to look out for. Yeah. So they okay. could also immediately get you help quicker and everything. And they, so they put you in occupational therapy. How old were you? Um, I'm not exactly sure when I started. I must have been in grade one. Okay. Yeah. I had like a really good occupational therapist. Mm. She was dope. I really, really liked her. Um, but... When I kind of, so I went through like the Waldorf system. So I went to Waldorf school, which is so different to another, other, every, every other educational system. And specifically the Waldorf I went to with like the Waldorf teacher I had, it was super Waldorf, like good hippie Waldorf vibes. So the problem with like good going through that system and not, and being dyslexic is that like emphasis is really, really not on being good at things. Like, it's really on like trying your hardest, which is okay. also like super problematic. But it was great in the sense that they don't put too much pressure okay. into doing things like you do so much else other than your kind of construct, like reading, writing, maths. Everything's in something called main lessons. So where you had subjects growing up, we did something called a main lesson, which is you would learn everything you needed to know about everything in one lesson. So you would go through periods. We did like you go through like ancient Egypt and then you would do all the Christian stories and you would learn different things in maths and that's like that's how you would learn things which is different in the sense that everything is narrativized which is great yeah because you're learning everything in sense of story and drawing and everything's related like in relationships to each other Mm. so like you're learning about like I'm sold on it I'm like can I go back do Waldorf was my it was it was amazing it's like super my my parents picked the school specifically because it was the most diverse school they could find in their neighborhood in their area so they wanted me to go to like a school with like a proper representation so they picked Waldorf based on that um and then it happened to be like really good and hippie and I think like deep down inside my parents were good hippies they just like pretend that wasn't their main motivation (laughs) that's the true test of good hippies is they pretend they're not yeah because they're not hippies yeah but they and are the most connected to everyone oh my god there's nature they're such, such a yuppies my parents are like good like i think they're, they're yuppie hippies yeah but Those they're, are my they're the new age they're like they're, okay i wouldn't say they're gwyneth paltrow goop no. hippie Let's but they're definitely like an angry <laughs> but they <laughs> yeah. angry. like they definitely do like they pretend like they're not like hippies and you're like you wear birkenstocks yeah yeah and i mean my mom wears like <laughs> cotton yeah only know, cotton like only cotton and birkenstocks and they're like like my mom, I've never seen my mom put on like a full face of makeup or like care about those things whatsoever. They're all like body positivity, nudity, like drawing art. Like yeah, the they, amount of times uh, I've seen Hannah's parents naked is outrageous. A lot. I'm well, sorry. It's fine. I'm I'm part of the family now. It's okay. <laughs> it's like if they don't see me naked, that's quite. I think they have as well because yeah. they just walk in rooms and then they'll be like, "Why didn't you close the door?" And I was like, "You opened this door. You are speaking." Mate, the first time you met my sister, you were in the bath. 
And oh, she yeah. came and she was wearing like a full costume and she just came and Oh no, I was just brushing my teeth oh. and then she's like, can I come pee? And I was like, yeah, go for it. And then she just like took down her top because she was like a one piece. So she like obviously had to like disrobe. Yeah. Just had a full on conversation with me while I'm brushing my teeth. And I know once was like, I, what? The, I literally was like, yeah, uh-huh. Cool, I found it weird because I'm cool if someone else is okay to do that in front of me. I can't do that in front of someone else. Then I have to have an argument with myself in front of another person. Like, don't be, don't be lame, man. Just be cool. No, like, I, I'm so raised in their mindset that it's probably, I'm, like, a little inappropriate by it. Like, I can change in front of everyone, which really irritated my friends growing up. Especially if they had boyfriends or anything. Like, I had no problem. Like, strip me out. Let's get going. Like, I don't care. You're I just don't, changing. It's, yeah, I don't see it as something sexual. Let's not sexualize putting on clothes or yeah, taking off honestly. clothes. But I think, like, definitely for my friends and their boyfriends they really struggled with the fact that like nudity wasn't a problem for me growing up so waldorf breeds that in like a deep extreme real like, real deep level yeah and like i loved waldorf my sister hated waldorf we have okay. different teachers so you have one teacher from grade one to grade seven they're your main teacher and they continue the whole cycle with you so you're really embedded to them mm. so i had a lovely teacher Bueller. like i really really liked her she she came from a um, public school so she wasn't like in-depthly waldorf which can be like the ones that are the ones that are born and bred waldorf are like far too extreme okay like, far too extreme but she came from like a different background so she had a bit of more of an edge to her and we were her first class when you say far too extreme I mean, give us a top line, just words that would describe. So, so like, uh, okay, there's something in Waldorf called Eurythmy. All right. So it's a, it sounds it's, great. it's a form of dance, like interpretive dance and yoga mixed together. And you play the Eurythmics completely in the background. <laughs> that would have been great. No, we played fucking okay. good recorded music. Okay. And from grade one to grade seven. So in your Yeah. And you, Amazing. And you do it. these like movements and they have letters and they have like different meanings. And you like dance them out. And every um, class has a tunic that's in a different color. So you can identify the class. I love that. Now, like Did the good. Did you like it or hate it? I could not stand it like there is nothing say, worse. i would not be able even if even if i had kids and sent them to that my kids would look at me like mom you're being disgusting yeah. you wouldn't do this why are you making me do this imagine now like you it's the worst thing so you like have all these letters and you have to learn these like dances and movements and um for an hour every mm -hmm. day almost i think it was like three times a week now the like extreme world of women think that is amazing the and they're invested and they become Eurythmy teachers and <laughs> so Beulah wasn't like that she had like a little bit more edge and she hadn't bought into like the whole like deeply seated okay. Waldorf philosophy and I'm gonna try to remember the point of this story we we're talking Take about a minute well the point <laughs> of the story remember. is we, we were talking about how you went to Waldorf yes. and then uh, yes. we were like who didn't put much emphasis on being dyslexic or like yeah. being yes. the best at and the you class grew up in that and then you went to so like the one thing is so um we did have reading groups and I was like always in the bottom reading okay. groups so I was always like in the lowest form of reading so I was like really struggling to learn how to read and that's when I started going to like OT okay um which was great and she was really nice she like made me write stories and I've always been like passionate about stories so she would make me write and like read and I like really wanted to know how to read just so I could read books by myself 
Because my dad read to me all the time and so did my mom. But I wanted to be able to read for myself because they weren't reading fast enough and like when I wanted to read. So I was like really determined to learn how to read. But Waldorf has a system where we don't have one principal. We have a board of principals. And I a citadel of bricks of sorts. Yeah, which is which seems like a good idea, but how do you ever get anything done? With like a board of people, like all trying to be very harmonious and like hippie-like in that system. There's a reason hippie cults have like leaders. Waldorf didn't. <laughs> but I remember, <laughs> I remember during this period of time that I had to go to Otiza. Like OTs in a different, in the main building and like our classrooms okay. are at the back. And I was going to my OT lesson and I heard like the teachers saying that they didn't think I was going to finish matric and I should go to a trade school. And like that was like the first time I really encountered like what people's prejudice around dyslexia were because our educational system basically says like the first time we're going to like test intelligence is in grade seven. I mean, in Mm. grade one, we're going to say at seven years old, we're going to test if you can read or write. And that's where we're going to start saying if you're intelligent Mm. or not intelligent. And I wasn't anywhere close to there so like I was well with their weird standard yeah where the standard was I wasn't able to read I think I read my first book like able to read like one of those like you know those children's books Mm, that's what is it they fat shaming because it was just it was like Meg and someone else and then fat Sam yeah pig yeah I and mine was about a cat who like went on an adventure and I like I remember I I read it to my gran and like in the lounge while there was a firearm so it was like a very like prominent moment in my life because I finished reading a book but it was it was at a point where everyone else was now reading like proper books and I was still reading like kiddies books Mm. um and I'm severely dyslexic compared to I think my sister's dyslexic but she's she's um not as dyslexic as I am I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but like I'm severely dyslexic. Well, there's a spectrum, which yeah. I also yeah, think I was a lot say, of people so you know. spoke Before we started, we spoke about many things and you said that there's a, a spectrum. spectrum. Yeah, so I'm so, on like the extreme end. Yeah. Like end and my sister's kind of okay. in the middle and my dad's kind of in the middle. Um, so I'm, but I'm quite extreme in the sense that I took like a lot longer to read than she did. You know, like my spelling is still like atrocious compared to hers. Like, I still make way more mistakes than she does. I think she's picked it up a lot easier than I did. Um, so I went through Waldorf system and then, like, so that was, like, my first encounter with kind of it being a problem. And then the rest of Waldorf, I started to learn how to read and it was becoming, like, easier. And I, like, was doing quite well. And Waldorf doesn't give you grades, which is great because you don't know you're failing. <laughs> you can tell when other people are achieving, but you don't know you're failing because okay. you're getting marked as an individual. And your nice. individual progress. So you're not comp- you're not competing with anyone else. Yeah. You know, you're like there's no he's getting an A, you're mm. getting a B, like blah 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 blah. It was all kind of holistic, could you say? Which is nice, especially because it should for children, especially, because yeah. they internalize that they're failing for the rest of their life. So one of the statistics, there's um like I was we were gonna start off with reading statistics and explaining I decided, I decided not to because I didn't want to fuck up and I'd rather let someone educated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pointing to Hannah. Not how it. I'm just asking questions. No. Because so, if I have to say, oh, this many people, it's going to be wrong. So <laughs> one of the, um, most of the statistics that I'm like going to speak about now are from American statistics. Yes. Okay. Like just because that just seems to be the general knowledge and like the South African um like uh, dyslexic society doesn't really put out statistics that much but american society does 
And it's, I think, and the British, like British organizations do as well. And I think it's because a lot of them are looking at like education in that perspective and changing yeah. around it. Like, so the one statistic is, um, I think, so generally the population it's between five to 20% that they statistically say are dyslexic. So it's depending on also like where, what the population is, mm. where the population is situated, all those different things, but it's about that percent. So it's a huge percentage of our population that suffers from dyslexic on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So what the problem is, is when, because of this like age standard in grade seven that we were talking, in grade one, when you're seven that we were talking about, they, people start like getting an internalized feeling of being dumb. So when they looked at the juvenile system in America, so kids who were in juvenile like uh, jail, they 70% were dyslexic. Okay. And 70% of them who had alcoholism as a teenager were dyslexic. And it's because if you can get through the system, you do exceptionally well. Mm. Yeah, because we were also looking at famous people who are dyslexic. And it's like Richard Branson, Bill Gates, Einstein. Uh, Einstein. So, like, people you look at and you're like, they're successful. Even our baby angel, and, Jamie Oliver. Yeah. yeah. Like, and they were ready. Like, those people struggled in the... The system in the system because Richard Branson was told many times by many teachers that he's going to amount to nothing. Like that's their tagline: "You're going to amount to nothing." Yeah. Einstein failed. Yeah. Not just math; he failed almost everything. In yeah. School. He yeah. Was Even Keira Knightley is dyslexic, mm. and like I was watching these um videos. Like, there's a YouTube channel. Um, I think it's like one of these organizations who like bring to light. And then the Jamie Oliver episode, he was also saying like. He really enjoyed school, just didn't enjoy how teachers made him feel. Yeah. Because, like, mm. once he understood it, he got it. And he was, like, really into it. And, like, he was so in love with education and, like, learning. But then just because he, like, wouldn't spell correctly or, like, wouldn't get something right, his teachers would be, like, you failed. And he's, like, but my ideas are really great. Mm. But then they're, like, yeah, but you still fail because your grammar is, like, atrocious. And he's, like, but I shouldn't be failing on that. Like, my ideas are great. Like what's happening and Kira Knightley is also saying like her she was also like took really long for her to learn how to read I think she said she was like in her teens before she was like okay yeah. cool, I can finally read something and like yeah. not, it, I wasn't struggling and then like if she's on set or whatever they like if you make a change in a script on that day don't expect me to say my lines I'm gonna say the lines from the previous day because yeah. I learned those and I can then react really well mm. so she has to like kind of communicate with directors and writers in that kind of way but she was saying she's like whatever like it's who I am yeah I mean yeah there's nothing you can do to change your makeup of your brain no, it's what so yeah I mean if you could you would have done it that's the thing and I don't know if I would have would you well I mean no, because like, like that's an interesting you, question but I like, I mean, I think people always assume that if you're atypical, you would want to not be atypical in any way. Like, you mm. would want to be as okay. normal as possible. Yeah. But I think, let, let me explain yes. this to you to answer Let's, your question. That was a not real question. No, no but it, it was. was. It was. I mean, but, like, I knew we were in a different thing. No, now but, I'm feeling insecure for so no, no, no good no, reason. No, 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 no. They're let holding a, my hand. No. <laughs> it, it we'll get a, back to it. It is let a good me, question no, let me explain. Yeah. Let me explain how, like, the dyslexic yes. brain is wired in order cool. to answer your question. So, you know, I'm going to explain it in two metaphors. Because <laughs> yes, I love metaphors. There's a few metaphors. There's like, now. there's a few that really, really work. And there's no. like, there's like a neuroscience way of explaining it, which is basically in your cortex, you have something called mini columns, which are basically telephone poles, right? Okay. And you have axons that run between telephone poles that connect information. 
and with a dyslexic with a with a dyslexic brain our mini columns are really far apart well with an autistic brain they are incredibly close together that's why okay. like autistic people are really really good at like doing hyper realistic drawings because they're new or being really good at like one thing, thing. and then mm. they like hone in on that one skill mm. really well and they can do it exceptionally well because they're their okay. mini columns are really close, so their axons are firing really close. With dyslexics, our axons are, our mini columns are really far spread apart, right? So that means that like information is traveling in a different way to get to each other. Okay. Why this is like why it's um, seen as like a not as a disadvantage because it's not a disadvantage. It's a different way of thinking. So yeah. the best kind of like way me and Love kind of spoke about it. And when you explained to me like yeah. how it worked after you were like, oh, I read this, you read it somewhere or you heard it somewhere and then you explained to Saul and I, that that's when I was like, more people need to hear this yeah. and you need to be on the podcast. So like if, if you have a typical brain, we like have one, we have two stacks of cards, right? We have a typical brain and a dyslexic brain. With the typical brain, we sort the cards into piles of kings. So all the suits, like king, card, mm -hmm. queen, jack, whatever. I mean, all the suits into one pile and then the queens and the jacks and the tens. Now, if someone asks you a question, you need to retrieve the information. So they say, can you go get me a king of hearts, which is the date or fact or piece of information. You go to your king's pile and there's only yeah. four things for you to look through. So you just go pick up your king and you may have seen all the other kings, but you, it's pretty easy for you to... It, like abstract that information but the dyslexic brain you basically take those cards and like dump them into one like confusing pile and mix them around okay so as we're searching for the king of hearts because the information's there we all should have yeah. the mm -hmm. same information we've learned the same information but as i'm getting to the king of hearts i'm like picking up a jack and i'm making a relationship between a jack and a king i'm picking up a queen or i'm picking up another heart and i'm saying oh that relates to the king i'm looking for so yes. i'm making these connections and that's what the dyslexic brain does. It's able to weave two things that are maybe not, they're not like naturally meant connected. to connected and weave them into a narrative that is connected. That's why dyslexics do really well in entrepreneurship and mm. architecture and the arts and um, engineering because they're able to weave these two things. Mm. So I'm a writer um, and that's what I like. I'm passionate about and I like fall in love with writing. It's the reason I like learn how to read so that I could like, tell stories I wouldn't want to change so what I'm able to do is I'm able to take like a huge world that I need to create of a story and I'm able to like dissect it mm -hmm. and make these connections to make my story interesting right so if the question was would I want my brain to be typical so I could spell really well which would definitely enhance my job if I had like mm -hmm. if I could do the spelling and grammar to the extent which I should be able to do I'm yeah. at a master's level you know like I've had the education that would get me probably in more doors right it'd be easier for me to like navigate into doors um people would i wouldn't have to go through like the awkward like and i have to explain that i'm dyslexic which means i'm mm. gonna have an editor and like do like fight that constant fight but i wouldn't be able to do what i do well yeah because i think my the fact that i'm dyslexic means that my brain functions it's also like given me a lot of empathy for people who struggle mm. with education and like um how to interpret things or understanding like also gives me that empathy and it's made me incredibly interested in people and it's given me the ability to like also observe people because mm. that's how I have to figure out mm. I so so I was showing love this grade 10 review that I went to as educational psychologist oh, grade nine one. grade nine yeah. yeah and the one thing they were saying is that like I am able to look at a whole text 
and not understand every word because I couldn't because I have to now learn every word as a picture. But what I could do is make assumptions. So I would say if I couldn't understand the word tree in a sentence, but I could read the rest as bark and I'd know that that was tree. So now I have to do I do that all the time with people It's like try mm -hmm. interpret and understand and like investigate through just what little bits of information yeah. that I and do. And that which, probably comes through in your personality. Of yeah, like, that's why I'm so nosy. I, no, that's I, the thing. But I don't like that. I don't like the, the word nose because I I like people when we met we met under very certain circumstances no I'm joking we met for drinks and then, <laughs> and then it was like the best and you asked me I can't even remember the questions lol but um you asked me questions and internally I was like no one's ever asked me that question like that before or yeah no one's ever thought about it that way I've usually had to explain it like preempted and that comes through in your in your personality and I think that's why people are so drawn to giving you their information because it's the refresh. I don't steal information. No, no, no. <laughs> I can sound no, no. like I'm a Not boss. anymore. <laughs> no, it's just like people are, yeah. I mean, how many times have, um, with, with our friends or like acquaintances we met and you talk to their boyfriends and then literally their boyfriends will look at the girlfriends and be like, you've never asked me this and we've yeah. been dating for two years. And just the way you reframed, I like, I like people the way that they reframe things, the way yeah. we think of things. And just the way you reframed and put how dyslexia works towards it like in comparison to a typical brain i think you do that just inherently with everything and it's simple questions and it's simple ways of thinking yeah and i think it's made you like there are very few people that are um considerate and i think you are it comes through that you're very considerate mm -hmm. but also having a dyslexic brain just means you constantly think outside of the box and yeah. that's why you have so many of those like, people who are already in like the entrepreneurial or artistic yeah. or mm. whatever field it may be because they just like how I have to struggle to be like, can okay, anything outside the box? Let me use some exercises to like think a little yeah. bit more creatively. Yeah. Hannah's just like, cool, done, yeah. sorted. Like I got it. And that's so strange. So when you went to high school, did you go to a different type of high school? So I went to, so like I'm lucky in that I literally experienced every educational kind of opportunity that so I went to a, a private Waldorf school which is a different education system then I went to a public high school in mm -hmm. Cape Town and then I went to a private high school in Cape Town then I went to a private university and then I went to a public university so I've Jeez. now gone and like experienced education from all the different you unboxed all the education yeah and I just and so them off and I was like let me see what I can Hi do guys today I'm unboxing public schools yeah <laughs> so I went to um west of it which is like a really really renowned well like good school in so. Cape Town it's like got a really good reputation and super liberal it's great and I like really I enjoyed it but I struggled to okay. an extent where other people were so I we did our standardized testing yeah in grade um nine and I did quite well like so my my scores were really high but my marks weren't reflecting that so I should be top of the class but I'm not there was me and this other guy who got the same kind of scores so they wanted to give me dispensation which basically means like you get extra time a scribe blah 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 but you have to go the government you have to like write to the educational department get permission the like it's a long kind of process and I went through that process and so I went to like a psychologist and they interview and they interview your family and get reports and yeah. they kind of have to and like, you were saying it was like a six hour thing yeah oh my goodness yeah so it's like a really long process because they needed to test with stuff like uh why I was doing badly with school was not that I was like um like I was struggling like I didn't have the kind of grounding for the intelligence that was needed that it was a learning 
um, like diagnosis and not not something else that was not working. Mm. So they have to do these like very comprehensive, they have to interview you and talk. So I actually have it. So yeah. I showed love yesterday. So I like spoke and I called my mom before that when I found it and I was like, hey mom, I have questions. Love <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we, we had to do this test and like they, so the one thing was that I was struggling. I like, I should have never done Afrikaans and I had, I was doing Italian, which I don't know why, but like I was. And like for someone who's dyslexic to learn a second language is impossible, but that's mandated in our education system. Mm. So people always find me quite offensive because I really struggle to learn people's names. And especially if I haven't overheard the name before, because I have to like learn the name and have to come to like a reference. Because I mean, on the spectrum, it's not just because everyone's like, oh, dyslexia, this is it. Like you just can't read. But it's like, because like how Matt was saying, he was like, okay, do you struggle with like left and right? Or is it like to this other spectrum of like you like it, there's like phonetic as well yeah like you can't do the phonomics of reading or you can't like hear it that well and then you have to like so that's that's what you're saying like a lot of people especially like like people of color will find it very offensive that hannah just can't get their names right and but then obviously mm. she's not going to go to every person and be like but i'm dyslexic sorry because like <laughs> she shouldn't have to be like sorry i'm dyslexic that's yeah. why and like going to this and also field. you don't want to be you don't want to promote um like making an excuse culture exactly because somebody else is just gonna pick up on that and, and like i have to like sully the name like oh, yeah no you know but i'm just so because people say things like that where I go, I'm so depressed when they're actually just disgruntled. But also yeah, people and I think they will do with dyslexia as more. well. I think yeah, more that's what I'm saying. Someone's going to pick it up. Like, like the reference. Like, oh, I spelled this wrong. I'm so dyslexic. And yeah. they're going to start doing it as a way, as a tool to, to make a, an excuse. And like, yeah. I think like that was definitely. Not saying that you want to make no. an excuse. No. Just like, and I also, clear. I try not to like tell people that I'm not learning their names because of it. So then I would rather take, and then I'll ask someone be like, what's their name again? What's their name again? And so mm-hmm. like, I eventually am able to, and it's, it's like ingrained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not just with like people who have African names or a Pacific type. It's any word that I yeah, have. It's even so that's previously not, encountered. Yeah. Okay. It's even like Afrikaans goal. Is there anyone? If so I haven't, you've, d- so do you struggle your specific type of just well you're where you are on the spectrum yeah you struggle to learn different languages is this because like you can't make a relation so to how, english words or so how how, how you learn how to read is you learn how to read um like parts of a word right so you learn that like a o says this sound mm-hmm. and o o says this sound and then when it sits in correlation with an s it changes to this right so there's like that's how we learn how to spell like it's just like it's not phonetic in English because we have really a weird, like our language is really weird and that like complicated <laughs> in that way. Like it doesn't ever mean what it is yes. and stuff. But that's how you learn how to break down a language and able to do I can't do that. Okay. So when I learn a word, I have to learn um, the kind of, I can't ever say, oh, I'm going to spell it out. Like that's... Doesn't work for you. That's like, that doesn't work for me. That It's bullshit. It sucks. I can't do it. It's but what I saw, what I do is I have to learn like the word as a picture. So in its full kind of concrete finished look and then learn every single word that I could possibly engage with in its full kind of concrete look, which okay. is, which is so like, um, language, I spell language all the, like all the time wrong because I learned it as a picture wrong. So now my mind can never rechange that because I can't see that it's wrong so like i have and my computer has now shifted to thinking that's an actual word <laughs> because i spelt it so wrong so many times so it'll just come back as right and i can't see and also um word like people are like 
Oh, but like there's spell check. You're fine. Like you know, I was gonna ask. Just like hit the spell check and you're good. But it's grammar. It's like I tenses. Yeah, or... my processing speed is lower than my my thinking speed, so I think way faster than I actually can do anything. Which means that like I can't. I miss words when I'm writing. So Grammarly does not. I mean, like um, word spell checks not made for dyslexic people they assume that you have a typical brain that is spelling mm. this word wrong because of a typical brain error so which is like such a yeah it's, crazy it's not misconception in, yeah, yeah it's not in, it's not inclusive to because people with adhd i know some people that are like they can't if there's something that they have to do but don't want to do they physically cannot do and you get and i have that in a very small way yeah like i don't i like admin but i don't like my own admin i don't like i will physically my body will get sick i will faint yeah. if i don't want to do something that's your body that's how your brain is wired and i'm like okay cool and there are certain these like these things that people will say okay no but try this it reprograms you try this I'm like if i don't want to do it i will not fucking do it that is it and so brain, when it comes to like all fits one fits yeah. all we services, don't even know how the brain work. works in its full capacity it's still like a massive mystery yeah. so the idea that you could tell someone how to refigure we don't even know yeah. so much about depression or like me we're having this long conversation about yes. trying to understand like traumatic events mm. and like depression and stuff we don't understand everything in its full capacity the brain is and the, so complex and yeah, the information is use, always changing we don't even use our full capacity at all but we don't even know like the the thing is like the, it's so misunderstood mm. so there's no ways that would ever fix kind of any yeah you can't, inherent you, problem you, as you said you can't it's like yeah so i'm gonna say out. this because i decided like the one career path i was gonna do is like write commercially okay <laughs> yeah so i was like well <laughs> like i was like mom why did you have to give me such like an over sense of confidence like that fucking waldorf school <laughs> and now i think i can go you do know, that i think that's important i think more well, i think when you're an anomaly the only thing that you realize is that there should be more of you or well, more like not like-minded but i mean usually people that are atypical they yeah. say this there's something about them that's actually healthier than the rest because mainstream is not particularly healthy well maybe like i kind of wish i went to waldorf i was like because my school was hippie in a very different way yeah. they also wanted like individuals but they were super competitive with academics where we were like where we didn't make up for sport they were very very from a young age i remember they even offered my parents were like she can go up a grade and both my parents were like no she's gonna be a little fucking narcissist and she's not gonna be with her age group she's already grown up with these kids she's gonna have a social problem jokes on them i had social problems for other reasons <laughs> later but that you the way you describe that you there was that not competition that wasn't like well why oh. why are we why would we ever need kids to compete yeah like they what, become competing adults yeah so why do we need why do we need children who are still forming like they're so mm. multiple and forming their sense of identity we like by grading them by telling them there is a system of marking mm. all we're saying is like you have to compete with the person next to you so you can get into a good high school so you can do math so you can get the engineering degree because if you don't like your life's gonna suck and you are gonna fall down and have a shitty ass life mm. and the truth is 
what they're forgetting is that the career paths are changing. Like we don't know what jobs are going to be offered in 10 years time, right? Yeah. But we do know what skills are going to be needed. Mm. And it's creativity, it's logical thinking, it's it's like a whole number of skills that aren't bred from like deeply trying to compete with our children because we have the competition has to be to fit into this small tiny block. It can never be to accumulate ev- like accommodate everyone. So of course no, the when the more you fit into that box, the more you lose your own individual creativity and your own genius or your own like children are incredible geniuses that can invent like they're amazing. But mm. we keep telling them, fit into this box, compete yes. with your neighbor because your parents are gonna want you to come home with an A because if you don't, they're disappointed and they're scared about your future. Yeah. And like Waldorf does that one thing where they remove that. So that that's great. They remove it. But I don't like I think you like the whole education system needs to change to remove it mm. to a much larger extreme. I, so I agree. So you are, I would, con- I, from based on conversations that we've gushed about you with Olivia, yeah. that happens, don't tell legal. So <laughs> um, I would consider you an academic. And usually the person that we have in our mind is someone who's an academic, is someone who's typical. Yeah. Do you ever have to, do you ever feel that people are surprised? Oh, you're dyslexic oh and an academic. How oh. did you navigate that? All the time. Like, I think because of the pre, like the assumption is that you're dumb. Like yeah. that's the one assumption. So like throughout high school, whenever I did well, and then people find out I was dyslexic afterwards, after meeting me. So first interaction and then finding out dyslexic, all of them would be, oh my God, but you're so smart. Like, are you sure you're dyslexic? So there was yeah. an immediate, like that has to be the There's problem. There's a full on connotation. Yeah, like, um, and that kind of continued consistently. And then I, um, especially in high school, um, I did quite well, like I, I was fine, like I I could have probably worked harder, but I was a little unenthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> like I had other things that were interesting at that stage in my life. Then, I mean, like, you're building like, cartel yeah. number one. Like I mean, it was fun and I was enjoying life and like I wasn't it's too important. focused on academics, but I did well enough to like never be like too problematic. Like I was never going to just fail out of high school. Like yeah. I was going to do well enough to get into a university, mm-hmm. you know? Except, like, I did fail a lot, but that's because... That is hilarious. No, but it it wasn't my fault. Like, we had to write an assignment where we had to write if prostitution should be legal or not. And I was just going to say, you probably took a non... I was like, prostitution should be legal because blah, 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 these reasons. And every single other person wrote prostitution should be not because I was at a Christian school. It was like like the private school part. And they failed me. Um, wow. And I was really upset. And then my mother made someone cry. So, like, I had a bit of a bad relationship with, like, Aldo at that stage. And then everyone kept trying to make me do Afrikaans. And I failed Afrikaans, like, consistently. There was no ways I was going to pass, like, learn another language. And I was always in the class where they, they send everyone who's not doing well in Afrikaans. And let's be honest, like, those people are tyrants. And like we would monopolize the fact that they knew we weren't going to do well, yeah. so we would like to torture the teachers. Yeah, so you guys would obviously be like, "Oh, you all think we're fuck ups, so we'll yeah. show you we're fuck ups." Mm. So like I was always in the bottom, and I was always, but I was always did really well in English. Okay. Because I had really good English teachers, yeah. and I read a lot. Like I read mm. an extensive amount for my age group, so everyone like I could impress people, like older people, mm. super easily. 
How to Get Through High School. Yeah. By Hannah Hamilton. Just <laughs> just read a lot, no current events, and like be able to engage with adults and you're fine. Like you're, No, that's that's the English teacher's dream. Yeah, like and like oh I love my English teachers. Yes, it did. Like they were always the only like they were the best parts of like everyone else was like old school shitty education. Yeah. No one like we were talking about it at the table the other day. There was a meme that like we'd seen, and it was gays with the English teacher, and it's just like forgot oh, how. Yeah. And because the English teachers were always, they always promoted some kind of inclusion to other yeah. like the children that were othered. And I remember, fun fact: Natalie Maimani was um my English teacher, and she was like so nice. I can't remember what I, I was going through like the roughest time, and we just instead of like what's going on, sweetheart was. We just had it. She spoke to me like I was an adult, and I spoke to her like I was an adult, and it really just reset. There was something obviously traumatic going on because I'm a Pisces. Eh? Something's always, Same. Something's always, <laughs> always fucking <laughs> traumatic. We're I can't do this. Sun is in the wrong place for me to be feeling like this. And it, I remember. I remember all my English teachers. I remember their favorite colors. I remember yeah. their favorite books. I remember their children's names, and it was because they just connected to their stu- especially the students that they knew needed that extra hand to be hold- like yeah. help. I think because English is a naturally like if you read a lot, like you're mm. taking you're going journeys through other people's perspectives. You're yes. naturally empathetic people, and they always were. They were like impressed by your intelligence. Like mm. weirdly enough, they were the ones who cared less about my spelling. But goddamn, did the other teachers like they? They were like you know. It Your was other teacher was just I came down at you. I hard. also like I also did upset her husband like on my first day. Like was he school. the PE teacher? No, he was okay. my math teacher, and he threw a pen at me because I was talking on the back of the class. So I stood up, and he was this Afrikaans man, and I shouted at him in like full anger voice. Yeah, and. It, like he shut down because I don't think he'd ever been spoken to like that before. So he was really scared of me after that. But I also think I had humiliated him because Probably, I called yeah. him out on his. He and can't. Sounds do like that. some toxic masculinity going. So that was the his goal. Humiliated me. Yeah, and so now that, I must crumble. That was his wife. Was my other teacher. So she had it out for me at the beginning. Like she. She saw me as like the devil's work, so I made a very stereotypical com uh, uh comment about all LO teachers have at my school. The LO teachers were always married to the PE teachers. That's not something Come we should on. laugh at. I just thought it was it's because I interact with people. I'm like, oh, that it was a running joke in my school. Um, I, if you are an LO teacher or a PE teacher married to an LO teacher <laughs> or a PE teacher, you are valid. There's nothing wrong with you. Continue. I I could not stand my LO teachers. <laughs> From every single LO teacher I've ever encountered in my life, like, has caused me anxiety. And the one one that caused me the most anxiety, she was, like, the head of my boarding school house. Like, I was in boarding school. So, I, like, even to that, I really was covering the education You should spectrum. make your own school. <laughs> Hamilton High. It will be I'm, a... I'm fascinated by education, but, like, I would love to study it if I was going to go do that. I could study it. I, like, Ken Robinson, he does incredible things in education. His perspective around creative education and how to, like, incorporate that in schools is amazing. Watch his TED Talk. We'll it's brilliant. We'll put a link in the the notes, the actual episode notes, and on the post. Yeah. We'll do that. But um, I had terrible other teachers, and I had this one. She was training to be an other teacher, so she wasn't even an other teacher yet. And <laughs> Let's she, judge her for training. She was, she was like, the typical Afrikaans boy, like, girl from Stellenbosch, like, you know, 
pretty like she was gonna be an other teacher and like help young lives well she was only gonna be other teachers until she found a husband and then be a stay-at-home wife yeah and you know she had like pick she was like i'm gonna help people and then she'd come to like the rich school in like somerset west like who were you really helping at that school yeah like they were all like extremely privileged what i find bizarre is that lo teachers because you're teaching essentially lo should be life lessons this is what you can do if you are in a situation and you need help they are the least helpful Helpful. so so, yep i remember telling an lo teacher that i think i was depressed and all she told me was i was just fat and i needed to have the yeah that's literally what she told me i was 13 and i think about that bitch every fucking day and i'm just like i hope and it's horrible thing i do this thing where i'm like i hope you don't have children because you're just gonna impregnate them with your insecurity because she was very slim and she was very tiny and, and i'm like how did why did you just assume that that was gonna you be- could have just said you're 13 you could have had a conversation I'm like you're 13 your your body is changing you're, there's hormones so going you everywhere. are one of the only children of color in this club maybe you having a little bit of an identity also just general 13 year old like 13? she could have even asked like are you safe at your home or has somebody hurt you no, she just- couldn't give a fuck she was just like your fat ass is gonna be happy. It's because you don't eat broccoli and you're fat. I, I do eat broccoli. Fuck you. I felt like other teachers were the kids that were like really popular in high school. Yeah. And then they were like really scared of losing the high school system, so they came back to be friends with like oh, yeah. other they popular thirteen-year-old cool. girls. They yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And also, drama teachers were problematic because they were always chaotic. Oh my God. I had two drama teachers, and they were crazy. No, like they I, had bad. They have bad life decisions. Because the thing is, no one goes into teaching, like, no one goes and studies a drama degree and goes, you know what? I'm going to teach. I'm going to become a teacher. Like, because your your fantasy is off the stage. It's like no one studies film to become, to, like, work in advertising and sell tampons. Like, you know, (laughs) those aren't like... Throws shade at all of you, including (laughs) me. (laughs) That's not, like, the thing is, we have to match our aspirations for what Mm. we need in our lives. And, of course, it's like, I'm becoming, I'm like planning to be a teacher next year. So like I'm talking in a kind of self-detrimental <laughs> space to myself. No, but I think it would be nice to have you as a teacher. It, yeah, so lecture, like at a university. So I won't be able to deal with kind of, I won't, I, I won't I be able to like teach it. people like how to write English. That I'm not going to be good at that, but I'm going to go teach you how to be a creative writer. So basically ignore every English rule because I can't tell you if it's wrong. <laughs> But my but is your story great? But is yeah. your story great? Because I understand you. Yeah, I feel you. Because like, I like, see the journey. Because like at the end of the day, anyone we like in my my industry as a screenwriter, I have script editors. Mm. So if someone comes and cleans up my bullshit and says like, "This is what we need to get it to like the commercial level of everyone mm. being able to see it." My job is not to make sure that my grammar and spelling is great. Mm. My job is to tell like a really compelling story so that my script editor doesn't want to shoot me mm. when he has to go correct my grammar. So what I can do is I can go teach people how to do that because that's yeah. that's something we neglect. Like I can't teach you how to make the right grammar choices or like, you know, spell the world perfectly because that at the end of the day isn't going to make you a good writer. Like yeah. Agatha Christie, great writer, dyslexic. Do you know, like if, mm-hmm. if she had been like, oh, I can't spell, we wouldn't have all her work. Yeah, so exactly. it has to kind of rethink the way we and approach. And her work is not just work. Her work is like iconic. Exactly. So we have to kind of re, 
think what we value in mm. those kind of careers. So I'm not throwing too much shade, but I am throwing a little bit of shade at other teachers. Because I didn't know they shouldn't. I also I've never had a other teacher I fucking like. And when yeah, they're all sis, bullies, no, actually. They're, yeah, my, they're mean girls. Like my sister yeah. is seventeen. And I I really but we don't understand to think we shame teen girls for being teen girls and being oh my interested God, you, in what the sh- I'm like, the yes, scariest okay. thing in the world is a teen girl for like the rest of the world. It's we traumatize them so deep. Yeah, it's so traumatizing. You have to come into your sexuality, and if dare you come out as proud in anything of your your culture, your race, the things you're into, feeling your comfortable sexu- within your body. Yeah. Just, like, just be a confident teen that will squash you. My sister was sexually um, assaulted, and she confided in the LO teacher, and the LO teacher made a panel at our school and brought my mom and dad in to why Michaela's rhetoric is harmful to children who've actually been raped. That was the, that was her words to my sister. And I was like, mom, I, and my sister who's 17 was like, literally looked her in the face. My dad was like, I don't know. Like he couldn't even cope with the, the level. She was like, when you tell someone this, the, what happened to them doesn't exist. And that they, they, the thing that happened to them is making other people feel uncomfortable. You're helping me be a victim. She's like, yeah. I don't want to be a victim. I want you to help me throughout this whole thing. And I'm like, this is a child. This is an actual baby telling an adult, I need help. And this adult is like, you know, are you making the raped student? Like you're grouping these whole kids. The fact that you have students that have been raped and you're not talking about them in a way that, let me help you. Like, Michaela, maybe what you should remember is if you say this and this, it's harmful these people understand what you're going through not keep quiet so that we can keep the rest of the students that were raped we still don't know on the premises or off the premises what the situation is but so poorly handled and i said you know we should have like if you want to be an alert i know so many people that would make wonderful alert teachers they would make wonderful teachers it's because they've lived a life where they because they've lived a certain amount of animosity, they are considerate in so many ways. Hello, teachers are not fucking considerate. And yeah, and I think it's because they're all those like extremely pretty, skinny, white women who go to the other teachers. I think Alo. Why are Alo, they always just really skinny? Because I think like Alo <laughs> is the one thing people think they can do right. And I think skinny white girls, let's be honest, yeah. they do, like we were talking about earlier on, like look at Instagram. They think they're more correct than anyone else. They're more healthy. They're more like engaged with their body. Their detox they is better. They think they're more fashionable than the rest. And it's like, no, the fashion world really revolves around your body type. Anything's yeah. gonna look really good on you. If you just drape it over you, you're gonna look fashionable. <laughs> exactly. No, but literally. I, I wish used... you guys could see Olivia's face. Like the, the light has left her eyes. It's how done she is. She's like, just drape it over you. Okay. No, 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 but it's true. It's true though. It's like, I've seen, I saw this one, someone put a question up on a tweet one day where they were like, Sometimes I go on Instagram and I think to myself, is this girl really fashionable and breaking fashion rules or is she just skinny? <laughs> no, because it, it it's that. like I think the work environment um, version of LO teachers are HR people. Oh yeah. I oh, very yeah. I had very big there were a lot of microaggressions, not specifically to me, but I felt like there was a certain person in the workplace that was heavy microaggression. She kept saying things like, Oh, that's so gay and I'd be like, Please stop saying that, that's hurtful. And she's like, yeah, but why does it hurt you? I'm like, it doesn't physically hurt me or me specifically. But it, what you're saying is that if anybody in this room is not straight or cishet, whatever, yeah. 
than not welcome in this space. And she was like, that whole thinking is gay. So I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just like, I am. So, and I used to get so angry and people were like, oh, Nidhi. And my favorite thing is like when you're a woman and someone like gaslights you and like, Nadina's a fucking crazy bitch. Yes, I am. But I'm also just trying to make everything better because I'm holding you accountable because I want you to hold me accountable. That is literally also, the kind of thing. Also, like the kind of concept of crazy, right? Like in the colloquial term of references to like crazy woman. Like no one. I've, I've been crazy numerous times in my yeah. life. And it's always been because someone has made me crazy. Someone because has I'm not, gaslit you to, yes, me to that point. Where yeah. I've had to like go and be... Like, yeah. absolutely crazy. Just to get my points across. Yes, they've gaslit you to that situation because they will always put you against, your back is up against the wall and you are so, you are shouting because you feel like if you are not going to listen to me, someone who's listening in would be able to hear me and help me. That's, it's a yeah. cry for help. I like, it's like when you hear cats fighting, the cat that's losing is always screaming the loudest. The cat's calling for help. That's essentially yeah. what it is. It's also to let the person know, you're hurting me, leave me alone. It's if we go down to what people love to do is like when we were in when we were Neanderthals, you know, at our core, at our instincts. For you, those kids, for you, incels. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in instinct. I don't. But that's what it is. That I'm trying to get help. The times that I've been really, and I will say medically, um, let's use words like manic or um, yeah. going through a psychotic break. I've never been loud, and I've never done anything that would be crazy i was going about my day like everything was was okay yeah while my body was physically shutting down so this notion of crazy doesn't exist yeah it's, it's again like we were saying earlier it's like the use of language like describing someone weird yeah yeah when you constantly say the things like oh my god i just like can't spell this word today i'm so, so dyslexic, dyslexic. then you're like no don't do that or like it's if you're feeling like i don't know if you're feeling a little bit happy, you're like, oh my god, I must be like super bipolar. Like, <laughs> like, I'm so manic. I, people so, are now saying this thing on Twitter, they're like, feeling manic. I'm like, I don't know whether to help you or like, because I know. Or okay. correct you. Uh, yeah, because when I was manic, I wouldn't ask anyone for help. My favorite point of being manic You was, usually don't really know when you're manic until you're after the manic. much later. When no, you're unless, like, until you're, sad. until it's like done, then you're like, oh, I was Manic. I look at times now and it was like we had so much fun with you. I'm like you shouldn't have. That was a cry for help. But yeah, but <laughs> like so me standing in the DJ booth wasn't to be quirky cool. It was me literally screaming for my therapist to hologram up and look at me in my face. But it's so difficult. We had a friend who was like severely bipolar, and we we were like conflicted because our friends treated her like she was crazy. They would call her crazy. Yeah, to they her literally face, oh. to her face be like, oh my god, she's just so, so crazy. Uh, and then fucking punch because all of the them. thing is like <laughs> the thing is as well they like they 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 would go out and drink and then she would drink too much and then that would kind of like trigger things mm. and then she would act she would either get very way. depressed or she'd get very manic once at hannah's old apartment she tried to like you know those mobbing apartments there's yes. not like we, there's no balconies like it's just like windows a little tiny ledge and then down yes so like she got drunk and then got a bit manic and like when you in mania you feel like you can literally fly you're invincible yeah, yeah. Very indestructible. and you're amazing you can do anything she like she 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 tried to climb out the window to be like i'm gonna walk up and down here and then our one friend had to coax her in and be like hey the party's happening here Woo. but there was and it's he yeah. did an incredible job because like not once did he go like you're being dumb yes. get back inside he yeah was he like, literally was hey, like he I want to show you, like, come here. Yeah, he, was, he literally coaxed her in by being like, 
girl, he what's kind up? Of with like, her. Yeah, he literally was like, hey, dude, the party's happening inside. We, we all miss yeah. you. Come on outside. But her, her own mm. friends were so terrible to her. And we would have talks to her. We were like, we're concerned about you. But mm. like, not just for you, but like also for your friend, like what you're surrounding yourself with because they were like undermining and manipulative and they saw her, her like her manic, stages as, as just being a sloppy like drunk, drunk basically yeah. and it's also like entertainment and they would encourage her to drink when she stopped drinking because then she was like they were like your brain boring like mm. they, she was they were boring girls like they would like victoria no 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 no, is, no, no, they no were, like, the truth is they were victoria like, boring girls who needed their friend to give them chaos in their lives yes. so they had something to talk about because if it wasn't for boys and their friends acting their their conversation was stumped dead so and that's gaslight. That's gaslighting. Also, it's like yeah. like the time she also would get drunk and then like try to commit suicide. Like that was for them a point of conversation. Like they would just be like, "Oh yeah," and then like this homeless guy found her by her car, and then this, and then like we had to go and do this. I my and, favorite but, are the people that are like, you know, my friend decided to commit suicide that day. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. He was so inconvenient. Yeah, like, but we were just so I taken aback for you. That <laughs> shame. But like we were so taken aback that they would have this conversation so nonchalantly in a pub. Like not like in at a house where they felt comfortable and they're like, I'm just really concerned about my friend. Like I don't know what to but do. But also that's not your story. The thing I've learned it's because I came story. from a sort of culture where I spoke about my suicide attempts or my man, my mania. I spoke about it in group therapy. Yeah, and that's normalized in a different way because you get to a point like all of you are sad for each other. You some some people's stories are very hectic and you realize you you become more empathetic. But you also get to a point with those people that you're comfortable with and you start joking. Like, there was this one guy, he was hilarious. He used to say, you know, there were times when I'd be too broke to even think about committing suicide. He'd be like, I'd have to reschedule. And we'd be like, I understand. Yeah, but yeah that's so true. <laughs> He's like, because I couldn't afford the things I wanted to use. And you laugh because you're like, that was a reality well, yeah, for me. Yeah, coming Coming but it's not but it was someone a... else's responsibility. I, I put up a post the other day talking about your friend's mental health to their employer, to their partner, to their family is not your fucking responsibility if you are not helping the situation. If your friend is needing help and you need to say, I need you to engage with so-and-so because they need that help. Yeah. But it is not your place to tell someone's employer, yeah, you know, they're so bipolar and they were oh, hospitalized. And I agree. Because your employers, and I, I have learned this the hard way, your employer will look at you completely differently knowing that yeah. I'm pretty sure that you, if, like you said, when people learn that you're dyslexic, they're like, <laughs> they will look at you differently and they will treat you differently and they will find ways to manipulate you and gaslight you. I agree. I think the, the only thing that I think... Um, it like becomes an issue is that so i personally don't struggle with mental health but i have most of my friends do and like the people i'm learning it about it through them and like Mm. i like i i actively try and ask them questions and be involved in it but i also speak to i put people like i i'll be like oh my friend went through this experience right Mm -hmm. when i'm talking to someone to experience like show how their experience might relate and how they got through it making yeah. a connection but i don't know if that's ever my place yeah but i do too i i find that i do do that a lot but i think i've never been in a position where someone's like oh, my friend usually people try and relate it to see to gauge 
how do I navigate this conversation? Where are you at? Because yeah. this is my point of reference. Instead, of the, the worst thing anyone can say to you is, yeah, well, just don't do that. No. But, uh, but that's not in the same light. Usually, I think what you're trying to do is make a connection and say, my friend, I'm making a connection from this thing to this thing. Where are you in terms of on the, how I understand it? So you're kind of like trying so to So I'll give you an example. Like my friend, like a really, like a... Uh, like someone I consider like a family member for like a really long time. I've lived with her my whole life. And then she came and she was telling me, she said a friend, someone I know of her friends, she said, oh, he, he's, he's got to a point where he's like constantly trying to commit suicide and then calling her and like asking her to come through and blah, blah, blah. So I said, oh, well, like this friend of mine, he went through this situation this year where he needed to be institutionalized to get through it. And maybe that could yeah. help your friend because this is what the problem he mm. was having. And it's always tough because I know I'm revealing information, mm. like sensitive information. But in that light, you're offering something that's helpful. I feel yeah. like you're normalizing it then. You're if normalizing you're saying, it. Saying, yeah. If you're saying someone in my friend group has done this and you're not saying it in a way of like, hush, hush. Like, you're literally and there's just, Nadine, guess what though? This guy had to be... Because there's, 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 there's a difference. There's a difference between someone like that other friend we were talking about and her friends being like... Oh my god, she's so fucking crazy, right? We hate her. But anyway, let's let her get drunk and do something fucking dumb again. No, that's like, abuse. You, you're yeah, using no. that correlation and that connection to try and be like, here's maybe a way out. Or if you, if your mm. friend wants to maybe talk to this person. Because you, you did the same option. thing. You did the same thing with me when you were like, this other girl is going through a situation. And like, my friend Olivia went through the same thing. You can meet up and talk to her mm. and find out like the admin or like the nitty gritty things about it. And maybe you... Like meeting up and seating someone who mm. can at least be like, I get it. I'm here with I you. I do that. I do that. I'm like, I don't understand. Because, like you said, every, bipolar, like sex is on a spectrum. Yeah. And there's some things I don't experience, but I know people that have hallucinations. Very recently, yeah. someone just got diagnosed. He was like, I have hallucinations. I'm like, I don't know if I have hallucinations or not. Uh, I don't know how to help you. But this person, like, loves to talk about it and help other people. Let me put you in contact. What you're doing is you're offering a valid solution. You're not like, maybe he's try yoga, you know. Like, I've been talked down the ledge by a backbend. But, like, <laughs> like and I think when I first started getting introduced to my friends coming out and talking about mental health, like, I had never really, I mean, I'd never really encountered it or really spoken about it in a forum. My grandparents had, um, like, mental health issues and, like, it con- like it was consequential in their lives so i'd like knew about that and mm. like but i never really that's where the it. conversation kind of ended. yeah it kind of ended so then when i started getting to know stuff you read you hear things you hear like oh exercise helps with depression so you suggest that to your friends and you go yeah. oh i heard this i heard this um as and i don't like i think the idea that anyone would come out of like the first time they don't know, it'll be like, I am no longer ignorant. Like I know everything. Like I still don't know how serotonin works and drugs, yeah. the drugs work but in I, the brain. I don't even think like a lot of we don't people. Know. <laughs> and, and, but like I said earlier, the brain is so complex. Yeah. And yeah. I was saying last night, some people say antidepressants help like Produce. boost it. And some say it helps like just keep it at a level where it's fine. And like some other people say this. So it's like a whole, no one really also no one really understands. Knows because the other day, last night, in fact, I had to Google something. I was like, no, I took, we're talking about cocaine. And I was like, I always thought I took cocaine to be happy. I took cocaine to cope. 
people that have a coke addiction, nine times out of ten have ADHD because the way that it transmits um, it, your, serotonin in your brain to keep you going. I, for the longest time, was like, no, it holds it in, it, it transmits yeah. it, it doesn't. Cocaine holds it in the receptor. So yeah. it, it holds it so it's like complete euphoria. So yes, it doesn't help you the way that a concerta, a Ritalin, or an Adderall would help you. Because they're not trying But to... it's the closest to what your brain is craving. I've been saying, yeah, it does the exact same thing as Adderall or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't. It's, and I was like, but a, and I was like getting mad. I was like, but a doctor told me this and then my dad looked at me in my face he was like how many times has a doctor told you something and it was bullshit i'm like very true like, but i trusted this one the medical field is constantly learning new pieces of information exactly. so we can't ever ex- we i think we, we have to trust, trust our doctors to, but yeah. we can't like not question them but like um so dyslexia a lot of the times people get diagnosed with adhd as well so mm. when oh, i was looking, it? yeah so i was looking through this test psychology thing and i was like reading up all my scores and like listening to like i was really untidy as a teenager which i realized i didn't know this about myself and now i'm like super paranoid (laughs) so i called my dad to like confront him on that and then the other thing is i was diagnosed with adhd okay so like um all my teachers kind of said i had it and like the psychologist said i had it so i called my mom and i was like mom like i can't remember ever feeling like Mm. i had adhd like i was really talkative i've always been talkative but i don't remember having adhd and then she was like you definitely didn't have it what people do is they assume that if you overthink things or you think mm. like in a in a specific way or you're making connections or you speak up a lot, like I interrupted teachers a lot, like they would have a question, like they would be like, what is the, and I'd be like, I know what you're going to say, like I got mm. you, I want to, I want to answer, <laughs> like yeah. I was that person. So then they, they immediately assumed that means like I can't focus. So I like, I asked her and she was like, I definitely didn't have it. And she didn't want to put me on the drugs for it. But I think there's a misunderstanding of what ADHD is and what compounds those problems. Because I do think that like the amount of screen time we have, especially as we grow up, like that constant like overstimulation of our brain and then like Mm. trying to bring it down. Like I think ADHD is so is also like a spectrum mm, and it also it is so anything, often di- misdiagnosed you yeah, know i think any like all I mean, anything with a, yeah literally because <laughs> and then that's a problem because a lot of medical professionals or like anyone in that field kind of kind of sees things a lot of like this is the this is the yeah. definition of it and this is what it is instead of thinking well what is the spectrum of this diagnosis yeah. or like what could be the spectrum of this it's like and really much back in the day it's like depression is this and this yeah. is how it manifests and this is how well yeah it's manicolic like and i think that's why in therapy everyone is always this is an ongoing conversation because i was always in therapy i started for just unipolar then they were like actually cool there's something not right and then then i was diagnosed as bipolar and even then there are times when the the discussion changes of okay i'm experiencing this whatever the the most recent was adhd i'm not medicated for all the time um me and my therapist have worked on that as well when I can afford it because um, it's expensive. But when she told me, I was, she's, when she said, um, do you have ADHD? I was like, no, I don't. She was like, no, you do. We've done all these tests. These are all the things. That, and I had to go for all these languages. I'm like, no, I don't. I was smart in school. I, that's the first thing that came out of my mind. I was like, I was super well behaved. She was like, that is not it. And then she gave me like the form. She was like, you focus on the things that you love the most and you will actually focus for 
more than what's what's healthy she's like that's why you did well in school you liked to learn but that's how you burn out quickly because you put all your energy that into one thing but isn't that most people's experience it is but when it becomes detrimental like people that can go three days uninterrupted on one thing that's why they think a lot of artists have ADHD because and workaholics I would assume as workaholics well. workaholics have ADHD they get such it's about the receptor oh, I need to research this properly but when you get it's about instant gratification us being good at something gives us instant gratification but you need that instant gratification to keep you on a high for such a long time that's when it becomes detrimental I I know that you haven't done research and maybe like when you guys have your next podcast you can do more research and mm. kind of answer the question but, um, I, so what I understand ADHD is like hyperactive disorder. So it means yeah. like you, your body is constantly firing, like firing mm. information. So I'm wondering how does that relate to kind of I think work that out and burnout a, culture? I think that's an offset. I will double check, but I think that's an offset of it. There's a lot of, again, there's yeah. the spectrum. Most of it is that things that are not in your peripheral, like things that you don't want to do, you won't not as bad as like okay i'm gonna ignore it it's just that it doesn't give you gratification so it becomes yeah because i like i definitely but there is an offset of hyperactivity i think it's when you are not stimulated enough i also feel like if i'm not stimulated in conversation enough i'm like i'm gonna start talking about anal right now because i need the whole thing to be the nature of this thing to change yeah and i think that's why I do comedy because it's more acceptable to talk about things like that. Yeah. But also, we I think we will have a real ADHD episode. Yeah. Okay, so then I'm going to pose your question when you, when you yes. do the research. Um, Instagram um, works on that algorithm and Facebook that you scroll down and it gives you like instant gratification, right? Like there's, it's, there's a system to yeah. the algorithm that keeps you addicted to going down. It's yes. the same thing with likes and stuff. Now, my question for you is, that has to play a role and impact people with ADHD in a large way and the general population as whole. Yeah. yeah. And like how how would that affect people and has that increased or decreased people with ADHD mm. or is it is it changing the way we look at ADHD with this understanding? Yeah. That, I think it's also really interesting to look at like kids who grow up with like tablets now. Mm. Yeah. Because like some... I, yeah, that is my biggest like fear. Because I'm like, I know that if I have kids, the likelihood of them having one or not all my mental illnesses, <laughs> I would not hand them a fucking iPad. My parents were but like... But even if, it was a, if you were an atypical person and you didn't have any yeah. mental health or anything, just don't give your fucking kid a because tablet. Because they're used to that instant gratification all the time that I can click something and I will be entertained. Yeah. We saw as the 90s kids, we, whether we're like, we grew up in the 90s, we didn't. We had PlayStation 2 which was damaging and we had tv we had a channel like comment like a cartoon network that was dedicated to all the time cartoons and that was the culture that our privileged culture that i grew up i mean in. it was uh, yeah i think like i so because i went to all the school i had no tv yeah like we were allowed to watch like documentaries there was always stuff. something that would damage us yeah in some way or form completely but, but like, there was still kind of like eventually broadcasters would say okay cool we're cutting this yeah. children's tv at this time it's or my time parents to... would be like 
it is actually night time. Can you go to sleep? Can you get into well, bed? Well, I think the thing we know about our brains, like we don't know everything, but the thing we do know is that our brains are moldable and mm. changeable and yeah. we cannot rewire them. We cannot change the big characteristics of them, but there are these moldable things and they learn patterns and behaviors. Oh yeah. Completely. And that's how you can unlearn behaviors. Yes. Yeah, people. So, <laughs> so that's why when we, we say we give our children other ways of coping, which is cell phones and TVs, mm. because we're so unpassionate about the interaction with them. And I think like we have mm. to be honest, there's a certain amount of impassionateness when you see a mother with her friends and her child on an iPad, it's because really they've sad. chosen that, like that engagement mm. with their child is so unimportant right now. And I think that has to do with like a whole lot of problems around like people feeling they need to have kids, like mm. the expectation, like, like the whole way we structure those things, like the format. But if we know our brains are moldable, why would you ever give someone whose brain is the most moldable a tool that doesn't give you any gratification, like any real yeah. worldly thinking skills? Because as much as we all spend like way too much time on our Instagrams, there is not one part of our Instagram that makes us feel like we've been intellectually challenged mm. or made us think outside of the box. We, we do make... go to Instagram to sort of numb. Like yeah. you, on oh, Instagram yeah. when you're waiting for something, like I need to numb the pressure that's happening to me to Yeah. Because like, that's why we engage with things like, that's why I've deleted all games off my phone. Because I'm like, it's instant gratification to me all the time that I will, because I'm competitive, I'm like, I need to play two dots until I get to the, the top. And I'm like, this is not building me in any way. This is not giving me any information. And I'm like, okay, so I've swapped it out for like news apps or opinion yeah. apps or kind of, I've made a little list for myself. If you have five minutes, I have my fuck around list. If I have five minutes, I have 10 minutes, I have an hour. Things that I like doing, like knitting, I need to learn how to do things that I enjoy in bits as yeah. opposed to, oh, I have all this time, I gotta do it. So knitting, it's instant gratification as well because you knit, you yeah. knit, and it builds and it builds and it builds. It's a very good tool for people with ADHD to calm themselves and ground themselves. Or if you have five minutes, then I clean something or I organize something yeah. to re-engage their, like, if I have five minutes, be away from my phone. Exactly. And I think, like, for me, knitting, the one problem I have is, like, this two-screen thing. So I, like, put on a movie and I, like, get on my phone at the same time yeah, as that. the movie that I'm watching. I do that and too. And I get so annoyed because also my processing isn't um, auditory, it's visual. Yeah. So I can hear the movie, but I won't have processed it in any way. And, and I will have watched so many films and I will say, I've watched it for the sake of, and like, but that part when, I'm like, no, but that didn't happen. I didn't yeah. see it. Like Because we're on our phone and scrolling like, through our Instagram at the same time. And yeah. I like repetitively delete my Instagram and then I like go on it on my web safari <laughs> and then I like I've been trying to block it from my like my phone it's almost impossible to block Instagram and like to deactivate those things because first of all like iPhones mm. suck and they have weird screen time things which you can never really change because they have a weird pin that was like five iPhones ago that you will never know how to use yeah. again but with knitting, like knitting, if I knit, then I'll watch the movie. Mm. It's like the only way I can sit through exactly. anything. Then I'm like, I've got to replace or like try and get more people time in or with my dogs. Yeah. I'm like, because when I looked at how much time I spent on my phone a day, like I was an disgusted. hour and a half. And also yeah. like, I'm like, my brain capacity is, sh as we get older, your brain capacity shrinks and 
for anyone that's had bipolar and had a massive um, trauma to your brain, trauma to your brain, it shrinks. There's certain parts of your brain that actually, if they're not it, like stimulated, they stop working. There was a point where I was like, oh, this is a reality for me. Whoa. And I was like, no, fuck, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to constantly be playing games that mean nothing to me emotionally, spiritually, and physically. They're not helping me in any way. They're not building my brain. They're not building anything. I'm like, okay, if I have this well, time, yeah. I'm going to use it creatively or even just not, rather do absolute fuck all than, than to be on Instagram. Because my Instagram right now is literally just filled with the biggest load of shit. Mine's just like travel vlogs and food. Mine is not that diverse. Mine is like dumb meme culture from like layers of meme culture. And I'm like, <laughs> it has nothing to do I, with current affairs. Yeah. Like anything that I am, I like memes. I enjoy memes. I try, I think in memes now, but it's not helpful to me, to my mental health, to the person that I, I am or the person that I want to become. Yeah, and I think like um, the way we and like we've been ingratiated into social media, and I like it's way too much. We spend far too much time occupied by social media. Yeah. Like I think we dwell with a lot of our experiences. They have this thing, like they we're talking about the philosophy of self, like our generation, and we've now our generation is super based on like experience mm-hmm. and like traveling and eating healthy food and yogurt and like all the good stuff. But what we've done is we've replaced all like the material objects that were previously collected. Like our parents bought expensive cars and big TVs. We care far less about that. We care about experience. Mm. But what we've done with those experiences, we've monetized them Mm. for Instagram. So people, like if you look at like, if you, all the time they'll be like, this is an Instagram Grammable like drink you can order or like this is an instagrammable hotel you can go to yeah like now with bali having your breakfast served on a basket in the pool exactly and like, I can, literally i saw it happen two weeks ago one girl had it it was her birthday she was like okay come on yeah bali or whatever now they're serving it at all hotels yeah everywhere they're putting a basket in because it's just fresh fruit and it's everyone in the bikini i'm like why are you eating and swimming that's the first rule (laughs) 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 where's your mom like i just have i remember once i was eating in the pool and my mom was like what is the first my mom is not a swim teacher my mom cannot swim my mom can get in a pool and wait but she cannot swim she's like what is the first rule of swimming and the first rule was do, do not, not eat, eat in the, the pool, pool and you've got to wait for your food to change. My parents are like, don't, don't, don't like wait around. Just go swim. Use that as an excuse. Yeah, no, my parents. Yeah, they, are... they actively try to kill me. No, my dad <laughs> taught us how to swim. And it was, we'd get home from school every day in yeah. summer. My mom would plaster that sunblock on. She would sit outside with us and we'd swim. Angels. And she'd be like, show me that thing, Dad. And she was like, I'm trying to get us. I'm pretty sure something she and my dad can have a conversation. Um, because all of us are idiots. Yeah, all of us are extroverts. I mean, children are children are a lot, and just I a think handful, yeah. I don't know how my mom did. She was twenty nine, and she had three small children under the age of five. Me, my brother, my, my sister was two, and my brother was one. Don't know how she did it. Don't know how she's not dead. Don't know how her brain is still intact. And she'd put us in the pool, and she'd be like, "Bye." And she's like, "Should I think Dad showed you?" Like, "Look, Mama, the mother." My mom used to like throw things to the bottom of the pool and be like, "Go get it." Yes, and then we'd like swim. Like, and like, I want to see if you can swim like a mermaid. And yeah. we're like, "Yes, I can." Turns out we've already just ditched. 
And then there was this part where she'd make us do synchronized swimming in inverted commas. And she'd be like, that's beautiful. It's actually just us making like dumb movement pieces. And she's like, wow. That is stunning. And she's just like, ah, you guys are going to sleep so nicely. Like, You're dead. I'm going to talk about desperate husbands. I don't even know if they watched that show. My parents didn't watch well, shows. they had three kids, so they were probably doing other things. They were like, yeah. No, I think they started watching shows because they were like, we are, <laughs> we, are doing... we are productive in one way, very <laughs> specifically. We've got to stop. We but then they had my, lots. yeah, they had my baby sister. So that's uh, there's four of us. But then I was not, again, small children. They, bought, they should have watched way more Desperate Housewives. I'm like, you guys just pick one. That's why Netflix exists. It's <laughs> contraceptive. Maybe that's what's good about screens, is that we don't connect at all. It's, no, but it's we cutting have, the teen pregnancy. But now, but now, no, but there's Netflix and chill. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the thing is, like, also, I think, because we connect so much through our screens, we've, like, lost any, we've, like, over-communicated mm. and lost any sense of intimacy. Mm. So, of course, we're going to, ha- like, have just, like, a lot more casual sex because relationships kind of seem inapparent because, like, let's be honest, we have every kind Sorry, of Sorry, babe, got to go to the Inca Trail in front of <laughs> Yeah, Bali is calling my name. <laughs> can't have any connection to you. I'm a free spirit. But I challenge. But that's my favorite thing is, like, there's this new thing about empathism. Yeah. And I'm like, I've heard about it um it, it's very profitable <laughs> mental health sphere and they're just like you're not depressed you're just an empath i'm like no i'm pretty fucking shitty let's yeah. let's work on holding me accountable to the things i've said and done when i want to say i was manic like i yeah. don't make excuses i never say yeah i was really sad that day i'm like no you made you hurt someone's feelings whether yeah. you wanted to or not and if you knew it would hurt their feelings, that actually fucking makes it worse. And they go, yeah, because you just feel the earth and earth energies. And I'm like, no, but that... No, you can't if you... That is so problematic. Yeah. Because it, like, it attributes to a kind of privileged lifestyle. And yeah. if you have that lifestyle, everything would be okay. Like, if yeah, you but had... if you were an empath, you wouldn't be anti-minorities or anti-abortion. No, but... You wouldn't be anti-things that, you know, depend on those people's lives. But you would... <laughs> on people's existence. But if, if, like, empathetic is, like, the way I understand it, it's, like... If you are in touch with nature and you spend more time on site, which I think everyone should do, it's definitely beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it releases some kind of the modern day tensions that we have. Like nostalgia is great for that. Let's huh. be honest. Yeah. But like I think that it also says that our main issue is that we are unable to do those things. Yes. And the people who are performing that, like not actually doing it, but like performing it, are like the privileged minority who are like traveling to Bali yeah. and like having their breakfast floating. So I challenge you, if you're listening to this podcast, like go on your Instagram and see what you're actually communicating with the world. No, completely. Like, see Minus what trash. your, what, no, but like yeah. think about it. Look at what your Instagram is and say like, am I communicating that I'm a photographer or mm. is this like a career communication or am I trying to like smooth out my life mm. and be like, this is like the perception of me that I would like you to have. Because mm. if your boyfriend broke up with ba- you in Bali, you're still going to take the photo. Yeah. Like, if you had a shitty holiday and you and your friend fought, you're still going to take the photo. Yeah. If you're depressed, you're still going to take the photo. So what are you truly choosing to communicate and why? Yeah. And I think you'd, like, learn a lot about yourself if you did that. I think we're going to ask you one final question before we wrap it up. Yeah. I made a nice hand gesture to go with that. <laughs> it's to From my synchronized swimming yeah. days. <laughs> and what do you want to yeah. ask? What are, how can people, let's say people who are not dyslexic? Yeah. How can they kind of help, you know, and like other than just being considerate, what would you like them to know 
that would help kind of like the education of dyslexia how to approach people with dyslexia i think how to speak i think there's like there's like two questions in that like the educational system has to change like Mm -hmm. i think fundamentally the way we approach academic testing the way we encounter people with disabilities and have like the the system is not made for us like i'm busy doing my master's at the moment and like the one problem i have is I have to send in drafts of my work and most of the time the drafts of my work get we look we spend more time focused on what the spelling is than the actual mm. communication of ideas. So I think there's a way we can relearn those patterns especially and like I think all education educationalists so whatever capacity lecturer teacher preschool teacher should be able to understand people's different like mm-hmm. dis- diagnoses and talk about it and communicate and restructure their programs to incorporate it but then there's another question of like how do you as someone who's not in a position of like correcting authority ever teacher lecturer just position a normal person i think the one thing that really i find irritating and i think it's not just for people with dyslexia i think it's for people whose like first language is not english is people do this thing which is like really self-graduatory for themselves because this is what they're they would like that this is what happened to them when they were growing up and now they do it to make themselves feel better they correct people's pronunciations of things if you understand the sentence as a whole you understand what that person is saying there is no need to like nitpick their words and say like this is this is like this is the right way of doing this this is the right way of saying this because all it does if it's not if it's not your name if it's not something you're trying to communicate and learn this is not a learning conversation if it's someone like trying to communicate something if your first language or your diagnosis is not necessarily english it becomes like really difficult in conversations because and people sure are constantly discouraging yeah like well. people are constantly putting you down for not pronouncing the thing in the same way when that's their only interaction to the, mm. what you're actually saying so i think it's very, yeah. that's true and then i think like with any kind of if you're not if you're typical in every sense of the world, which you probably are not, like there's no way you are, you should be empathetic to how other people experience things. And you don't have the right to make jokes of other people's experiences for your own personal game. I think comedy is amazing in the sense that it highlights so many issues. And people, Mm. like I like really offensive comedians. Like there's comedians, my favorite comedians are extremely offensive. And they're like blasphemy and they're sexist and they make jokes, but the jokes are never at the expense of the, the minority or the individual being involved. Yeah, They're making a joke at the system that allows for that to happen. And I think people should be conscious of why they're making those jokes about anything. If you mm. want to make a joke about mental health, you're making a joke at the system, mm. and you're making a joke at someone who has mental health. And that's what Big Bang Theory sucks because the, the joke is that these are nerds yeah. not that the society punishes them for being nerds. yeah so i think people should be more empathetic and more conscious of why they say what they say and like do a little bit of more introspective work because i think it'll reveal a lot about yourself if you do damn it's very well blown away <laughs> and this is why she's my wife <laughs> this is why we're married <laughs> also in the back there's a truck and there was a point of me where i was like olivia you really need to fucking speak to your boyfriend like i got the bike it was funny but the truck yeah sorry. he's like sorry. i am moving into a building you are never leaving me but that's a beautiful i like the way you put that and it was very nice bite-sized but very concise and also i like 
that the perspective of comedy is coming from someone that's not me, you know, the biggest comedian in the world, <laughs> you know, my Netflix specials. Because, yes, you also, I think, also personally, what I've started doing is unpack why I find certain things funny. Yeah. Because what you find funny is a true test to who you are. And very recently, I can't laugh at certain comedians. Like, I just don't. And then it's not like, because there's a joke that says, like, you know, you know you're a comedian when you don't laugh at other comedians. I'm like, I'm not laughing at rape jokes. I'm sorry. It's yeah, just not but, cool for me. Like, but there are certain jokes that have yes. a, this topic is rape, but the joke is not the victim of rape. Exactly. Or the, like the perpetrator. It's the system that allowed for that to happen. Yes. And I think like those people are really articulate and really interesting. Yeah. And some yeah. of them, they're the, the crassest. Yeah. But you can't, un, like if you yeah. unpack their fault, you can't just say like, this is problematic because you said it. If you unpack yeah. it, you go... Well, it, I find it problematic because I know that it's true for the institutions that allow these things. Yeah, but that's what things are funny because they're true. And yeah. they're funny because they're often true to a point where you can't change it. Yeah. So it is our, it's our knee-jerk response to be like, I can't cope with this, so I'm going to laugh. And that's why, that's why we all laugh at funerals. Why yeah. we all laugh at funerals because it's too real. Um, you laugh at people getting hurt. Yeah, I laugh at myself getting hurt. Oh, I love. Yeah. My favorite thing is to watch children get hurt, and I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> no, but but I there's love, something hilarious. About... I love how they bounce back. That's what makes me <laughs> so funny. They go, "I'm okay." Their the yeah. immediate response is, you can tell their parent, like, but their immediate response is to soothe everyone else because they know everyone else. Like, I'm good. I'm okay. Or they go, "Whoopsie." And they, oh, they look around and wait for everyone, and when no one else in, like is upset, then they're like, "Okay, let's I'm okay." On. They're so susceptible, but it's, so don't take that in the wrong way. That like, we are not. <laughs> promoting that you hurt your children for our entertainment but if you have we're just saying if a baby trips yeah it's much funnier it's like when my dogs fall they never fall but when oh. they do fall yeah they're so mad at themselves that I, i'm like oh cats. Take yourself so- cats cats are like the most offended they, oh yeah when they when they don't land on their feet when they fall they literally like what the fuck and they, it's because they blame everyone else like they're smart you you're like, yeah. no. if you ever see a cat like get into a position where they're uncomfortable it's it's your fault <laughs> like you've done this to them i love cats uncomfortable cats i'm gonna look that up just now Thank you, baby angels. Thank, Thank you, you for having Anna. me. No, of course. Thank you so much. I've Thank you for so spreading much. your goddamn wisdom and yeah. letting people be more educated and less. Hannah's also really, like, um, just, you know, given us so much, but she's given us links to certain fact sheets and websites that will and help. Statistics. That will really help us understand and kind of challenge the system at hand and how we treat people who are not typical. I like that. Yeah, atypical. You're atypical. F, I like it. Um, and we're going to share that with you. We're going to put it in the episode link as well as the Instagram link. 